Welcome to a special episode of SwiftCast. This is Ashley. And Steph. And we had to do this mini episode for you guys in the middle of the week because the most awesome piece of literature that I probably have ever read in my life just came out, which was, of course, the Rolling Stone cover article. Yes, this is always the best article of Taylor ever. They always are so detailed and I love how they follow her around over a period of time. And I remember just a few days ago, before it came out, when we didn't know when it was going to come out, I was talking about how I can't wait because these articles for Rolling Stone always go so much more in depth than the average article about her. Exactly. And I was thinking about how they don't ask her, so what's the deal with the number 13? Or what's your favorite animal? Why is your cat's name Meredith? They really give us a behind the scenes view of Taylor. And I love it. Every single Rolling Stone article that's covered her has been perfection. Was it last year's Rolling Stone, the one where they talk about her driving and getting in the car accidents? Yeah, that was the one right before Red was released in 2012. Yeah, oh yeah, not last year, two years ago. That one was funny. That was a great one. And I actually went back to the one from 2009, just because I had not read it in such a long time. It was when she was still living with her parents in Nashville, and she was getting ready to move into her condo. It was fun to go back to that. <laughs> from no houses to multiple houses. Yeah, it's funny just to look at the evolution of her through the Rolling Stone articles. So each time she's done one of these stories, it's been with a different author. But if you look at 2009 to 2012 to 2014, all of the interviews have a lot in common in just how detailed of a picture they paint of her life. They definitely do. And when you go back and read them without looking at the author's name, I thought it was the same person, which would be really cool if it was the same person following her over all these years. But the way they write them and just go behind the scenes of her life, it does feel like it's the same author. The one in 2009, I think the title is funny. It's called The Very Pink, Very Perfect Life of Taylor Swift, which I don't feel like is how her life would be described now. No, not at all. And that was one of the most revealing parts about this interview. She said, in terms of being happy, I've never been closer to that. And the author just wrote, which is not necessarily the same as being happy. Parts of this article, while it was really intriguing to me, made me feel a little bit sad because it just shows how different her life is and how when this is something she's wanted all of her life and she readily acknowledges that and says how lucky she feels, still her life is not ordinary in any way. And when you compare 2009 to now, like you just said, Ashley, it's not the pink and perfect life that it was back then. So that was the 2009 title. The 2012 title was Taylor Swift in Wonderland, which I don't know. I don't really feel like that title had that much significance. No, I think that would have been more relevant in 2010. I think that maybe what they meant by that was it was when right before Red came out, she was really hitting her element. You know, she was getting to the peak of her popularity. And it was, I think, around that time that everyone started to realize just how big she was and that she was never going away. And so then this article, The Reinvention of Taylor Swift, the title kind of speaks for itself. 
And I think even just the cover art shows that if you look at the different covers, when in 2009, she's with her guitar, and then 2012, you know, she's a little bit more edgy for Red. And now here she's, some people are saying it's too risque. I don't see that at all. She's just on a beach and she's fully clothed. (laughs) She's in a tank top and jeans. (laughs) Right. I have read comments of people thinking it's just, Taylor's going the way of Miley Cyrus, and I'm thinking... Does Miley Cyrus ever go around in a tank top and jeans? Because I'm pretty sure she goes around in a bra. Yeah, I didn't see that. I mean, I get that she has a wet shirt on, but she's at the beach, so I don't know. But if you do look at the evolution of the covers, it just shows she's reinventing herself, she's growing up, and I think that's great. And one of her many, many, many talents is that she can be sexy without taking off any of her clothes. Exactly. And we love that about her. As I was reading this article, I feel like my jaw just was dropped open the entire time because there was just so much information that I could not even process it all through my brain. I've already read this article several times because the first time I felt exactly like that and I felt like my eyes were going faster than my mind because I wanted to just gobble all of this information up as quickly as possible. Yeah. Because there was a ton of information that we learned, not just about Taylor's life, but about 1989, her genre shift, and just really anything and everything seemed to be covered in this article. They start off shadowing her on the set of the Shake It Off music video and talk a lot about what a top secret operation it was, which we already heard a lot about how top secret it was from our special edition episode a couple of weeks ago when we talked to Shelby, one of the fans who was in the video. But the way that this is described, it really sounds like it's a covert government operation. (laughs) As he said, a seal raid. And Jack Antonoff from Fun, who we know Taylor's been working with on the album, said, Just having her songs on my hard drive makes me feel like I have Russian secrets or something. It's terrifying. And didn't you love the part when Taylor talks about how she's so nervous and anxious about being wiretapped and she makes everybody put headphones in to listen to anything? And it just reminded me of how she doesn't know how to use technology that well and (laughs) how she said that she's like the old couple on that commercial who is crushing candy with a hammer. (laughs) Hash brown. (laughs) And hash brown, yeah. And she's just learning how to favorite tweets and here she is just all nervous about people wiretapping her. It was funny in a way in that respect, just thinking about her previous comments. But then in another way, it was sad. Like I said, parts of this article made me feel sad for her. She's got this great life. I feel like so many people will want her life. But then when you really think about the pressure and scrutiny that she has to deal with every day, it's not necessarily that great. Kind of reminds you of the lucky one a little bit, I guess. It was so funny when she was talking about her cell phone and she said, they can turn this on, right? I'm just saying, we don't even know. (laughs) (laughs) They can turn this on. Yes, Taylor. And when she thinks that the janitor is being paid by TMZ. Things like that do happen all the time. She's smart to be careful. She is. Look at TMZ has been crazy in the news this week. The stuff that they can obtain. So it is her being really smart, but I hate to think that she's so anxious. 
she said, there's someone whose entire job it is to figure out things that I don't want the world to see. And then she goes on to say how, you know, she never takes her clothes off voluntarily for pictures. And then she said, it scares me how valuable it would be to get a video of me changing. I have to look for cameras and dressing rooms and bathrooms. Yeah. And when we think about her life, we don't necessarily think about that. But yeah, imagine how valuable that would be. Just look at the leaks that went on with Jennifer Lawrence and all those celebrities from the other week and how much money I'm sure gossip tabloid columns paid for that kind of stuff. So then she goes on to talk about, which as we know, that she hasn't been dating anyone for quite a while. And she says how she loves her life. She has friends around her all the time. She can explore her hobbies like painting. And I think that, you know, we've seen a lot of that. And it's definitely going to be reflected in the album. Yeah, I think so. So then we meet Jimmy, the security guard. Which is hilarious. He was making fun of how many shoes Taylor carries around with her everywhere. And the elevator not working. Was it working when you went to her apartment? See, I don't know. We did have to walk up all six floors, but at the time I thought it was just because the elevator was too small to fit everybody in because it did look like a small elevator. But maybe at the time it was broken still. I don't know. So the first part of the article took place in LA and then there's a whole section of the author hanging out with Taylor in her New York apartment, which was cool to hear more about it and hear all of that described. Apparently she really likes sparkling water. Yeah, which is really funny. When I was lucky enough to be there, she really had Diet Coke and Smart Water. I didn't root through a refrigerator as much as I wanted to, but <laughs> I guess I would have found sparkling water in there if I would have. I love that she mentioned the downtown spot for the muffins. It's called Smile because now next time in New York, guess where I'm going to go get some muffins to <laughs> try them out. Anything Taylor loves, we have to try it. So after the author explains how Taylor eats these muffins from Smile, he gives some really cool details about the apartment and Taylor talks about how Gandalf used to live there, which is pretty awesome. Then he even talks about Olivia, who was hanging out in Taylor's bedroom. And so if you read through all of that, you'll get all these really cool details about her apartment and even how she talks about Watch Hill with her 4th of July party. I loved reading that part because those pictures were so awesome with all the slip and slide and just apple pie and all the food and friends that she had. And she plays the game Celebrity, which actually I've never heard of. Have you ever heard of that game? No, I haven't. So apparently what you do is you just put a bunch of famous names in a hat and then you draw one and you have to make the other team guess. So I guess at my next party, I'm going to have to try out this game. I don't really have parties though, but <laughs> that's the only problem. That's the only problem. But it sounded like they had such a blast in Rhode Island and I absolutely loved that she addressed the whole, all of Taylor's neighbors are mad at her because she's screwing up the coastline. This is just another example of the scrutiny and just hater stuff that she has to deal with every day and just shake off on a daily basis. Because that was something that was made into a big deal when she was the one improving the coastline and making things better. For some reason, people were complaining about it when she was the one spending her money to do it. So I was actually really glad that she took the time to address this and she said herself when it was done it looked so much better and she said it was a problem so I fixed it. Nothing has changed about anyone's beach experience except that now my house won't fall on them. 
So, you know, sorry, not sorry. I just love this new sassiness that Taylor is using nowadays. Just hitting back at the people who are saying things about her that are untrue and unnecessary for no reason at all. I feel like we're going to be hearing a lot of that over the next two years. I think in the past, when people would say things about Taylor, she would just ignore it and kind of try to take the high road. But when you have to deal with so much being said all at one time that's untrue, you reach a breaking point where you probably feel like you have to address it. I'm enjoying this new sassy Taylor. I definitely am too. But as much as I loved hearing all of those parts of the article, my very, very favorite part was the next section, which is where we start to get into some more of the details about 1989. One thing that was interesting to me is how when they did this interview, at this point, it probably would have been in July, and the author wrote that the album still wasn't finished yet because Max Martin was still tinkering with it somewhere in Sweden. That was just interesting to me, the fact that they're still working on it because Taylor is that much of a perfectionist you know i liked how they said that all of her songs were under the code name sailor twips (laughs) the unbreakable code name i'm not even sure how i feel about that i just automatically think back to her being in rhode island on the boat sailor swift (laughs) yeah but kind of going along with how she was so anxious about things being found out about her can you imagine if somebody would get her phone or she lost it or broke it or something. That would be terrible. I imagine she has some like secret technology. Well, I guess all iPhones have this capability where if you lose your phone, you can automatically just wipe it. That's true. And hopefully she learned from those other celebrities and isn't backing things up on the iCloud and has them somewhere <laughs> more secure. <laughs> I think she's smart enough not to do that. But she must have that phone glued to her hand at all times when it is with her. Did you see her phone when you were over at her apartment? No, I didn't. But when I saw Ed Sheeran at the Hammerstein Ballroom back in June, I actually did get a video of her dancing and you could see her phone with all the cat stickers on it. So that was pretty cool. And she apparently still has all those cat stickers on them. I wonder if she like has multiple phones and like when she goes out, she only takes the one that like doesn't have anything secret saved on it or something. I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah, you know, that would make sense. She has, like, the one that she records voice memos into when she's at home, and then the other one that just has numbers stored on them. I remember when people saw the phone, people were saying, she doesn't even have a case on that thing, because (laughs) if you're Taylor Swift and you drop your phone, you can just go buy another one. (laughs) But, yeah, she might have multiple phones, one specifically for voice memos and things like that. One of my favorite quotes of this whole article, though, is when Taylor was talking about going to pop. And we've talked a lot about this on the past few episodes, so go back and listen to them if you want to hear our opinions about this new shift. But for me, really, she summed it up in one line, one quote that makes perfect sense. And here's the quote. She said, but at a certain point, if you chase two rabbits, you lose them both. I think that's kind of what we've all been thinking for a while now. It's hard to try to dominate two genres. You're not going to be able to do that. When you can't dominate one, you're not going to dominate the other, and then you just end up losing out on both. So for me, this really made it clear why she's making the move. That quote really just sums it all up. 
But I was kind of surprised that when she said, when she first turned in the record to Scott Borchetta, he asked her, can you please just give me three country songs? And she said, no. <laughs> I loved that. The sassiness there. <laughs> and, you know, this actually made me think back. If you go back to Speak Now, Taylor said that when she was finishing up the album, she wanted to call the album Enchanted. And Scott gave her a lot of pushback and said, no, you can't call this Enchanted. You have to get away from the fairy tales and princesses. You need to find something else to work with. And that's how the album became Speak Now. So then when she's working on Red, she turns in Red and Scott says, no, we need more. And he hooked her up with Max Martin. And that's when Red kind of made a shift and she started working with Max Martin more. Now here, she's the one giving him pushback. <laughs> and she turns it in and he's saying, oh, this is amazing. Best thing ever. Just give me some more country songs. And she says, nope. So it's interesting to see how the relationship has evolved. And I love that Big Machine and Scott lets her do what she wants to do. Any other record label, even though you're Taylor Swift, might not be that nice about it. They, Because they're the record label. You know, she really has the best label ever. Because they give her that independence. Even though now she's the only pop artist on an all-country label. Exactly. She also pretty much is the label, so there's that. I think one of my favorite moments ever has nothing to do with this article, but I just thought of it, was when at the Scott Borchetta Q&A in 2012 at CMA Fest when I was there, and somebody asked him, what has been your biggest accomplishment in your whole career? And there was um, a banner up at the top of the booth with pictures of all the big machine artists that he just points to Taylor. <laughs> that was his answer. Really, they made each other. But Scott is now the biggest force in Nashville, just in record labels and radio. And the same with Taylor. She's the biggest superstar in music. And that's why I just really love their relationship. They've just shattered all records together, you know? And they both push each other and challenge each other to grow. So in talking about the album, Taylor explains not only is this a genre shift, but it's also a subject shift because she's not going to be talking as much about relationships and finger pointing because we've mentioned this before. She didn't have a devastating heartbreak like she did when she was writing Red. And this was another part of the article that made me feel kind of sad just and really feel for her because she explained that the reason why it's not boy-centric is because she hasn't been dating. And she says, I feel like watching my dating life has become a bit of a national pastime. And she just doesn't want to provide that kind of entertainment anymore. And one of the things that hit me was when she said she doesn't like seeing slideshows of these guys that she's apparently dated who she's never actually dated. Because we see those articles all the time as fans and it just makes us so upset when you see, oh, she hung out with an actor for a day and they went to dinner and now she's dating him. And now she's trying to move into a new house right beside him. We take it personally as fans, so imagine how it would feel if you were actually her. 
And so Taylor said she just has not gone out on a date since her last relationship with Harry Styles. I don't know. It just seems sad that it feels like she can't really live her life because it's being dictated by other people in a way. Which is so the opposite of what she stands for. And it's just as tough because she's still living her life. She's still has a great career, great friends, a lot of passions and hobbies, and obviously has a very full life. And it's totally her choice. If she doesn't want to go on dates, then she shouldn't. But I just don't want her to ever feel like if she wants to, she shouldn't go just for that reason. Right. And in the past, it seemed like she would say more, people can say whatever, I'm not going to look at it, I'm not going to read it, I'm just going to live my life how I want to. And I think she still is living her life how she wants to. I think she's just being, and she actually says this in the article, she's being more realistic about it. That having a relationship right now is just not realistic or a possibility. I think she also is kind of implying that there hasn't really been anyone that special that she's come across. You know, I think she's tried out relationships here and there with people that she had chemistry with and thought maybe it could go somewhere and it did for a while. I would like to think that if she met someone who she really, really, really thought she might have a good future with, that she would still try. But I feel like there just hasn't been anyone like that. And she thinks it's not worth all the hassle for just a so-so, you know, couple of dates. Yeah, I think that's exactly it. You put it perfectly. And she explained in the article about how there's so much pressure that builds up before the relationship really even starts that it doesn't really have a chance. But she's always consistently said that if there's somebody out there who she really clicks with, she would go for it. And I do, even though it was a little bit sad to hear her say that, she used a metaphor to show that she's still living her life and she's happy with the loneliest whale, which is this whale that swims through the ocean and it has a call that isn't really like the other whales. So it doesn't have anyone to swim with. But, you know, then she says, maybe this whale is having a great time. It's not bad that I'm not hopelessly in love with someone. It's not a tragedy and it's not me giving up and being a spinster. At the beginning of the article, she also kind of talked about that, how there was a guy in New York with a cat on his head. And at first she asked Austin if he had taken a picture of it. And then she thought about it and thought, well, maybe this guy just really wants to have this cat on his head and walk around with a cat on his head. So even though she's not dating right now, I think she's just trying to live her life and continue on this great career. So then we get to my favorite part of the article where they start talking about more of the actual songs on 1989. And one of the first things that she says is the angriest song on 1989 is called Bad Blood. And then goes on to say that it's about another artist who basically she's become enemies with who tried to sabotage her tour. Yes, this is the part of the article that is really viral right now it's all over the news i think taylor knew it would be all over the news a lot of tabloids were printing things that didn't make any sense at all speculation about other female artists without even hearing the lyrics of bad blood i just don't think it's about these other people some of these tabloids are mentioning 
for anybody who's a Swifty, we know the speculation is that the song will be about Katy Perry. Just because we know that during the Red Tour, some of Taylor's dancers and stage manager and some of her crew left the Red Tour to go work on Katy's tour. And of course, after this article came out, Katie made a tweet about Regina George, something like watch out for the Regina George and wearing the sheepskin. Was that it? Yeah. So in a way, to me, it felt like Katie was just confirming that, yes, Taylor wrote a song about me. Which seemed kind of silly for her to do that, although I'm sure she wanted to capitalize on the media attention of it. Yeah, I think she probably did. But in a way, it felt like her drawing more attention to the song is just going to make it even bigger than it already was going to be. Yeah, I think that at this point, not a lot of people are talking about Katy Perry. Her album's been out for about a year. Her tour is winding down. She doesn't really have anything that people are really talking about right now. So I think she decided to use this opportunity. It makes perfect sense. There's that saying... There's no such thing as bad publicity, right? I don't really agree with that, but yeah, I think it does make sense probably for her to try to capitalize on it. In response to her tweet, comparing Taylor to the head of the Mean Girls clique in high school is just silly. (laughs) Yeah, it is. It really is. (laughs) She should come up with a better analogy than that. If Taylor is Regina George, then I'm Taylor Swift. (laughs) (laughs) Like... No, it could not be further from the truth. Yeah, I just don't want this to become a huge thing where it kind of like all of the fallout with Taylor dating Harry Styles, all of the negative attention. I don't want that to become this huge thing. Taylor wrote a song about something that happened in her life that impacted her. And that's how she deals with things. She wrote a song about it. Move on. So just as we were talking about this, I opened up Twitter and the first tweet on my timeline, I won't say who it's from, it's just a fan, but they tweeted just now, I support and love Taylor and Katy Perry with all of my heart. Where does this leave me? I'm crying so hard right now. (laughs) (laughs) People are taking this really hard. Yeah, I think it's a big thing. It's all over the news and has been since this article came out. Ashley and I have both gone to see Katie. In my opinion, Katie's nothing comparable to Taylor as a performer, as just in terms of her songs, just pretty much everything. But I do have some of her songs on my iPod. I work out to them. I think she's pretty. I know that she and Taylor used to hang out and I thought that was cool. She put on a good show despite that her songs and performance quality might not be as good as Taylor's. The show itself was very strong. Yeah, I'm not about taking sides, and I don't think as Swifties, people should do that and hate on Katie. I think clearly this is something that's hurt Taylor, and so she wrote a song about it, and we'll get to hear it when 1989 comes out and take it for what it is. And who knows? Maybe they'll patch things up at some point. But it was interesting to me how Taylor said, without revealing the name, said this is a female artist who would come up to me at award shows and say something. I guess Taylor couldn't really tell if they were actually friends or if she was actually just being insulted. Um, And then, of course, the other reason why people link this to Katie is because Taylor mentioned 
there could have been a personal element to the conflict. And because Taylor was linked to John Mayer and then Katy Perry dated him after that, that's another reason why people are pointing to Katy Perry. The bottom line is that Taylor does not and has never gone around looking for conflict with people, guys or whoever, just so she can have songs. She writes songs about the things that affect her really deeply. So for her to have chosen to write a song about this, she was obviously very hurt. Yeah, this was in the middle of the tour. Taylor had just invited all of the dancers to her house in Rhode Island for the 4th of July. And like it or not, these dancers were under a contract with Taylor. And so obviously we're a Taylor Swift podcast. If we do have to pick sides, we're going to pick Taylor's side. But the fact of the matter is when you're under a contract and then you just up and leave, there's a problem with that. And if I were Taylor, I would want to write a song about it too. Well, I'm very excited to hear it. I'm sure that, as she said, even though people are ignoring this, it's not about who the song is about. It's about the message, which people can apply to situations in their own life. Right. I think the reason why I'm excited for this song is because it's something everybody will be able to relate to. Whether it's a romantic relationship or a friendship, we've all had people turn out to be something that we didn't actually realize they were. So I think everybody's going to be able to relate to this song. It'll be interesting to see if it's released as a single. And I'm also interested to see whether there are any co-writers on this song. And if there are, whether they would be somebody like Max Martin or Shellback. And both of them have written songs for Katy Perry, which is why I'm interested to see how that works out. All right, then we get to the relationship songs. (laughs) (laughs) which some people thought that there might not be any of, and I thought there would be a few. I'm glad that there are, because I know that Taylor is doing something different, but I feel like those songs are so important, and those songs are what get me through my relationships, and I need something for the next two years. Exactly, yeah. (laughs) So there is I Wish You Would, about an ex who bought a house two blocks from hers. The article says she implies it was Harry Styles. Which, I didn't know anything about that. I did some research after I read this, and I read something about Harry Styles buying a house in LA that maybe was going to be near Taylor's. I don't know if he actually bought it. The only thing I could remember was when she was looking at houses in London, and everybody made a big deal about that, how she was trying to get close to Harry. It never ended up happening. So this was a little weird for me. I wasn't entirely sure about the house situation. Then there's All You Had to Do Was Stay, which she says was about a guy who would never, who was never willing to commit. Basically, all these songs have to be about Harry Styles because there's no one else she's dated. But I don't know. This author just seems to assume all of these are about Harry. But look at Joe Jonas. He's made it on three albums. When I saw this song is about an ex who didn't want to commit, I also was thinking about John Mayer. Could be. And then there's, I don't think much debate about this one, a song called (laughs) Style. (laughs) I don't think there is, especially because Taylor said, we should have just called it, I'm not even sorry. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sure that won't be the cause of any drama. (laughs) 
I don't know. I mean, she, she says in the article that her and Harry are friends and we've seen them spotted acting civilly together in the past year or so. I feel like while there may be songs about him, I don't think there's really going to be any dramatic consequences on his end. No, I don't think so either. I think he fully knew what to expect and that they're friends and have gotten past anything. And he just seems like the kind of person who wouldn't really be bothered by having songs written about him. No, I don't expect any kind of hatred songs directed at him. But I am interested to see one of the ones that I think sounds really interesting. It was actually pretty shocking to me is the Out of the Woods song, which is clearly going to be about Harry because it's about how she went on a skiing trip. And we know that she went on a skiing trip with Selena, Justin Bieber, and Harry back in December of 2012. But what was shocking to me was this lyric, remember when you hit the brakes too soon, 20 stitches in a hospital room. And apparently this song was inspired by a snowmobile ride with, I'm assuming, Harry. They both had to go to the ER. I was shocked by this because I didn't know anything about it. And she says that at the time she asked him and whoever else was around them to please not tell anybody. And obviously they listened because we never had any idea. And now I'm kind of glad we didn't know because I would have been so worried. Me too. I did actually go back to look into this just to satisfy my own curiosity. And at that time, after the skiing trip, Harry did have this big band-aid on, underneath his chin. And people who were fans of One Direction said that he was in a snowmobile accident and somehow hurt his chin. But at the time when they were dating, I didn't even know that. And I definitely don't remember anything being said about Taylor. So I am really interested to hear that song to see what other interesting details we get from that. And I really like the quote that she ends that section of the article on. And she says, people think they know the whole narrative of my life. I think maybe that line is there to remind people that there are really big things that they don't know about. Which is the way it should be. It's so crazy because honestly, of course she's entitled to her privacy. But before I read this, if you would have told me there was any chance that she had some major life-threatening accident that we didn't know about, I would have said that's not possible. But me too. It's the power of her. She can get people to stay quiet when she asks them. So the final part of the article takes place in Central Park, which I'm sure many of you will remember the photos from that day, because that was the day that we pretty much knew that she was going to be in Rolling Stone. We saw her out and about with the writer and this was also the day when a fan decided to row her boat up to Taylor in the Central Park gazebo. Yeah, that was one of my favorite days of all time in terms of Taylor being outside, interacting with fans. So Taylor's doing this interview and the interviewer is describing it. The girl rows up. They take a picture. She says it's her birthday. Taylor asks what she's doing. She says going to Chipotle. And then Taylor gives her $90. <laughs> Which we knew about because the fan told us, but I'm so glad the author included this in the actual article because people who don't know Taylor as well as we do and don't follow her as much but are reading this article will see that and realize how incredible she is and how 
genuine and kind she is to all of her fans everywhere. Then they tell us that one of her bodyguards named Jaff is a former Marine Corps anti-terrorism specialist. That was interesting. I'm like, yeah, you probably need someone at that level to deal with all these fans. And apparently he checks Twitter and he knows when people are getting a little too crazy over wherever she is. Yeah, that was really interesting. So he tells her that Twitter is going crazy and she needs to go. So they make their way back through the park and then they listen to rap music. Right. And when we saw those photos of him with her earphones in, we thought he was listening to a new song. And really, they were listening to Kendrick. Like we said in the beginning, this was so much information that it was necessary to read it several times. And I will probably read it several more times. Definitely go read it at rollingstone.com and then read it again. And then on September 25th, go pick it up on newsstands and get a hard copy or multiple copies. Yeah, and I think even though the issue date says September 25th, a lot of fans already actually have a copy. So go check your store, Barnes and Noble, grocery store, whatever. I think I read somewhere it might be on the stands by Friday, September 12th. So check it out. Oh, I'm going to buy so many copies. I love this article. And the author of this article got so much information for the article that he actually did a separate thing. It's called 22 Things You Learn Hanging Out with Taylor Swift. This had so many interesting things in it as well. For instance, she talked about how Scott met Andrea. He invited her to a big hoedown. And I guess that's where they just fell in love. And I th thought that was really cool. We never actually heard how they met each other. One of my favorites was how she had to work really hard to learn how to do the splits. I know. <laughs> Especially because we just were able to see the Shake It Off outtake of her doing the split. <laughs> And she makes it look effortless. But a really exciting thing about this 22 things you learn from hanging out with Taylor Swift is we get to hear more song titles from 1989. We know that one of the bonus tracks on 1989 will be co-written with guitarist from Fun, Jack Antonoff. And the song is called You Are Love. And... This song was actually written for Lena Dunham, and we all know her boyfriend is Jack Antonoff. And so Jack says it has a kind of secret garden Springsteen vibe. I don't even know what that means. Bruce Springsteen, I think, has a song called Secret Garden. Oh, that would make more sense. But I actually can't remember what that song sounds like or the lyrics or anything. But I think it was a pretty popular song back in the day. Lena, though, in talking about this song, said that if she and Jack ever get married, Taylor will be playing this song at the wedding. So that's really cool. I'm imagining that this song will be played at weddings all over the place, but I don't know. It should be pretty epic, I think. And maybe it'll be the new Everything Has Changed. Yeah, we don't know if it's actually a duet or if it's just a co-write. That was one thing that we still don't know. The article also mentions how Taylor pulled up a song that she co-wrote with Ryan Tedder. But again, we don't know if that's a duet or just a co-write. So if you have not read these articles, go check them out. And just a recap of the confirmed tracks that we now have for 1989. We'll just give you the list. 
we have Shake It Off, go buy it if you haven't already, Out of the Woods, Style, Bad Blood, Wildest Dreams, All You Had to Do Was Stay, I Wish You Would, I Know Places, and You Are Love. So we got so much information out of this Rolling Stone article. I'm, I think it was the greatest thing ever. I wish she did this interviews with them every single year instead of every other year. Me too. They're always the best. And I cannot wait to go buy a copy. Well, we hope you guys enjoy this special episode of SwiftCast. And tune in for episode 70 where we're joined with our special guests, Tim and Carson from I Heard That Was Good podcast. So we will see you then. Bye, guys. Peace out, Swift Scouts. Thank you for listening to this episode of SwiftCast. Visit us on the web at theswiftcast.com. The theme song for SwiftCast was written and performed by Sydney and Chuck. SwiftCast is not directly affiliated with Taylor Swift, Big Machine Label Group, or 13 Management.